you turn one more time to James chapter 2, verses 1 to 7? I enjoyed that special music. I had the thought when all that brass started playing that I'd been transported to a street meeting with the Salvation Army Band. James chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect unto him that weareth designer clothing or gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do, they, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? The answer to all those questions is yes, 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 and yes. Father, thank you this morning for this text. Thank you for the things we've been able to see in it previously. Bring those things to our minds as we work with the text one more time. While the theme continues as we move forward, this section will come to its conclusion this morning as we deal with it in the congregation here. Thank you for the occasion. We ask your blessing upon your people. In Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. Nobody around here would mistake musician Bill Gaither as a theologian, but the little ditty that Bill Gaither wrote on partiality and the believer is actually good. He wrote, now when the rich and the poor get together with the Lord, get together, get together with the Lord, they will treat each other like brother and sister when they all get together with the Lord. Now, when the weak and the strong get together with the Lord, the weak are no longer afraid of the stronger when they all get together with the Lord. Now, when the tall and the small get together with the Lord, they'll soon realize they're all the same size when they all get together with the Lord. Judicial favoritism, prejudice, and partiality have long been recognized as evil. But favoritism prejudice, and partiality is likewise evil in a home or in a church. 
We're returning to James 2, 1 to 7 for one last time, where the Lord's half-brother confronts a case of evil partiality among the scattered church family, while the specific topic dominating the whole first half of James chapter 2 is partiality. We generalized and summarized James' opening point into the following principle. There is a way to live that is consistent with the glory and the shine of the Savior. We that name the name of Christ are expected to live that way. We will continue to rally around that principle and others like it uh, as James uh, 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 in this particular section and in the section uh, to follow uh, uh, proves himself to be far more interested in the topic of partiality than I am and that I would guess you are inclined to be. Uh, James uh, does not let this go. Unlike the modern preacher, James not only names the very sin that is reaping havoc among the people of God, and having it named, he deals with it, and deals with it, and deals with it, and deals with it in such a comprehensive manner that it kind of feels uh, to us as almost overkill. And yet I would remind you that this uh, uh, particular inconsistency that Pastor James is going after, like any inconsistency allowed existing in perpetuation, could absolutely destroy the testimony of Christ in a given place and among a given people. It is not overkill to deal with a serious matter seriously. James stresses in verses 1 to 4 the grave mistake it is to judge according to appearance. Things are not often as they appear. I would remind you again of John 7, 24, where Jesus said, do not judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. As we continue to listen to James address uh, the inconsistency, the sin of partiality, we gain some real insight this morning into what exactly righteous judgment actually is. Two things, says the text in this particular regard. Righteous judgment is that judgment that recognizes God's own pattern. Number two, righteous judgment shares God's own perspective. So the two things that we seek to lay like bricks on top of the foundation uh, in this doctrinal study of partiality begun, James chapter 2, is the idea of God's pattern concerning his engagement with people and God's perspective in regards to a particular group of people. And those two things, the pattern and the perspective today, will help us uh, to build upon this principle that you and I are to live in such a way that it uh, reflects 
uh, the glory of Christ, that it reflects the gospel of Christ uh, in all that we do. These two principles of righteous judgment are discerned from the questions that James uses to interrogate his scattered flock as to the topic of partiality. Has not God chosen, verse 5, recognizes or introduces us rather to the pattern of God that we must recognize. Uh, righteous judgment never uh, fails to consider this well-established pattern of God. So, verse 5, the question is, what's the pattern? What's the pattern? What is the pattern? Here it is. God delights to use the small, the weak, and the poor. Now, James is not saying that all poor people are rich in faith. James is not saying that all poor people are heirs of the kingdom of God, but verse 5 ends with the qualifying phrase, promise to those who love him. But James does say, hearken or listen, verse 5, my beloved brethren, hath not God elected, God chosen, God chosen the poor of this world, who are rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. Poor people that do not love the Lord are just as lost and judged as rich people that do not love the Lord. But James is pointing, beginning at verse 5, to a well established pattern that was evident during the earthly days of the Lord Jesus and his experience among the apostles that God indeed delights to use the small, the weak, and the poor. Mark chapter 12, 37 tells us that common people received the teaching of the Lord Jesus gladly while the well-educated and the religious rejected him. There's something to be said for common folk. There's something to be said for regular people. Uh, Jesus spoke of a blessed class of people, as you well know, in Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, that messianic manifesto, Jesus called uh, a blessed class of people poor in spirit. It is often the case that those that have been poor in spirit are also poor in other ways. And again, that pattern of God and that principle that flows through the scripture, is, it's not news to you. It's not news to me. Uh, just look back uh, quickly a minute, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, uh, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. Remember James 1.5 says, Hath not God chosen the poor? Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.27, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, 
God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, uh, the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to nothing, to naught, things that are. That, there's the purpose of all that, no flesh should glory in God's presence. In that text, Paul not only says, here is God's pattern, but he says, here's why that pattern is in effect. Because when God uses somebody who knows of themselves, God, I can't do that. When God uses somebody that the people around them say, Lord, I don't think that person could do that. Then God gets glory and honor for what he does through that person. It is a pattern. It is a biblical pattern with God. Not saying that God doesn't use the rich. Not saying that God doesn't use the strong. Not saying that God does not use the wise and the mighty. I'm just saying what the Bible says. That God usually picks common people. God usually picks to do his bidding from common people. Who lack what the world would call resources who lack what the world would call abilities. Uh, James raises the same truths of God's pattern to challenge the developing uh, 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 church, uh, uh, as it were, uh, relative to their sin of partiality, especially in regards to rich and poor. That was the issue that they faced. We should certainly apply the principle of living for Jesus, a life that is true, uh, to a lot more than just rich and poor people. But nonetheless, that is the particular case that James is going after here. Many of the people, says James, who are actually rich and heirs of God's forever kingdom are in fact small people, weak people, poor people in the evaluation of this world. If you or I fail to recognize this pattern of God, we may count somebody a nobody when they are really somebody in the Lord, simply because they do not have the look of worldly success about them. In this age, it's all about the promo. Even the Super Bowl is known not for the game that is played, but the commercials. And all this world operates by nature of the press. And so when you go to look for a pastor, the people say, we want Dr. So-and-so, because he's really smart. We want this kind of a guy, because he's really funny and entertaining to listen to him speak. Uh, people have such a, a goofball standard of what they would like in their pastor. And uh, there are a few pastors that meet it. And I would argue for a little while, but usually not for long. Because ultimately, it's not about the press of your marriage that matters, 
but the reality of your marriage that matters. It's not about the press of your church that matters, but the reality of your local church that matters. And it's not about the press of your Christianity that as you possess it, but it is about the reality of your faith and love in Christ that matters. And I know that all of you in heart would say amen to that. James raises the truth of God's pattern simply to make the point that we must not do God's things the world's way. We must not do church God's, I'm sorry, the world's way, but God's way. Righteous judgment takes into consideration this divine pattern. In 1881, Mark Twain, famous American author, married to a true believing woman. Mark Twain wrote a, physical, a fictional short story with uh, historical implications back in that day. The title of his little story was The Prince and the Pauper. It tells the tale of two young men, similar in looks and age, but radically different in living experience. Edward, Prince of Wales, lived a lush life as heir to the British throne. Tom Canty, when I first read that again, I almost, I almost saw Tom Canfield, but Tom Canty lived a rough life as the son of an alcoholic and abusive beggar. The two young men met each other by extenuating circumstance and decided in their youthful selves to swap clothes and live the life of the other guy. Tom, after struggling with the social protocols and expected decorum of the king's son, frankly, ended up making a pretty good prince. Edward seriously struggled to adapt to the abusive home and unreasonable expectations of a beggar's life. Twain's story, with many literary twists and turns, exposes the literary and worldly difference in thinking and experience between the have and the have not, between the rich and the poor, the strong and the weak, the tall and the small. Probably the most profound thing that unsaved Mark Twain said in that short story, and I personally believe he must have got it from his wife, but nonetheless, the most profound thing that Mark Twain said in that short story was this. After the two boys, uh, identity is ultimately exposed at the end and there's, uh, you know, hugs and high fives among those young guys. Uh, uh, then uh, uh, Twain says this, the quality of mercy is twice blessed. In other words, whether you're born a have or a have not, the quality of mercy extended is a true blessing to both.
Here's the thing that binds the rich and the poor, the weak and the strong, the tall and the small, in the Lord. Mercy there is great, and grace is free. Pardon there is multiplied to me. Since both the rich and the poor people have received God, the highest quality of mercy, they are both blessed in Jesus Christ. But apart from that, apart from the commonality, or as Spurgeon said it, the union and communion in Christ, apart from our union and communion in Christ, our actual experiences in life are oftentimes very, very, very different. And indeed, rich and poor, weak and strong, tall and small, are made together by the mercy received in Christ into one great family of God. But you take mercy out, and I'm telling you, it can get raw in a hurry. Now this unique pattern of God, this is God's pattern. This is God's way. If you sing the old song, show me thy way, teach me thy way, O Lord. Well, here it is. Then that means that you would be particularly looking for uh, those that are disenfranchised, those that are left out, those that are, are outside the, the camp of the, of the cheerleader and the football star in order to find the aspect of those that God has a special sense of, of desire for them in regards to saving truth. And so there are some phenomenal ramifications to the pattern of God as it relates to the pattern of God's people. But this whole thing introduces us uh, to the unique perspective of God that drives that pattern. And the perspective of God particularly has to do with the rich. And we're talking about uh, the material rich uh, of the worldly sort, to be sure, but we're talking about the material rich and what, and what James has to say and what the Bible has to say about the material rich is, is a truth that almost everybody in the world would deny. Here's that truth. The rich are better off. Here's the lie. The rich are better off. Here's the lie. The strong are better off. Here's the lie. The tall are better off. God's word says and says here that the rich are not, the strong are not, the tall are not, in and of themselves, better off. Their riches their strength, their height means nothing in relationship to God. The perspective, here it is, God views the rich in this world as having particular difficulty in 
trusting him. Here's God's perspective. God views the rich in this world as having particular difficulty in trusting him. Why? Well, because most of the things in life that they're presented with, they can handle. And so therefore, uh, they believe, like, Bill the, uh, like Bob the Builder, that they always can. And ultimately, that sense of human, earthly, resourced confidence must, in the will of God, come to its end. Notice the word but at verse 6. Well, let me just read from verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor uh, of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? You expected answer? Yes. But, verse 6, ye have despised the poor. See it? James charges the scattered flock with not sharing the perspective of God concerning the poor. God chose the poor. But the children of God dishonored the poor. The word chose means to select for one's own purpose or use. God chose, God elected many poor for his own purpose and use. The word dishonor, verse 6, means to insult or to treat shamefully. God honors the poor man of faith and love towards God. God honors the weak who turn to the Lord in faith and love. God honors uh, the, uh, the small uh, who stand in the face of the tall. Uh, God honors such a one. Uh, that is his perspective. That is his pattern. And, uh, and God's people are expected to live after that pattern, uh, to follow after God's lead. And I would remind you that actual cases of partiality were taking place among the family of God as named in this particular section of the word of God. And so then questions are immediately asked then, verse 6, 7. Questions are asked of James to introduce the other side of that truth. Uh, do rich people ever oppress others? Do uh, uh, rich people ever drag people into court? A lot of poor people say, oh, I'd go to court, but I don't even want to eat uh, for the lawyer's fees. But the rich man says, oh, I'm going to fight that in court. Doesn't even give a thought to the cost of the thing. Do they not blaspheme, says the questioning of James, uh, the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. Now, James is not saying that all rich people brag. He's not saying that all rich people are bullies. He's not saying that all rich people blaspheme. blaspheme. Uh, but those that are rich in this world often are the source, source of much bragging, much bullying, and much blasphemy. And the Bible says, you and I all recognize that. That the rich, the strong, the tall people are often braggadocious. Bringing to themselves honor, not honor to God. Often utilize their position and their wealth or their strength or their height over other people. And worst of it all, uh, dishonor the worthy name that you and I have named Jesus Christ the Lord. Such was the literal case with some of the scattered flock in the day of James. And of course, such is the case today. 
as we have said repeatedly, and I want to say repeatedly, because I don't, I don't want anybody here with uh, uh, $600 in their pocket to, feel, uh, pocket to feel bad. I didn't bring my wallet to the pulpit, but if I had $600, and I have at time had $600 in my pocket, I'm sure not going to feel bad because I got 600 bucks. Or for that matter, bad because I got, I got uh, $6,000. Or for that matter, I wouldn't feel bad if I had $60,000. Uh, I, I wouldn't feel bad if I had $600,000. Now, I'm really getting wild here, but uh, you know what I'm saying. I wouldn't feel bad. I wouldn't feel bad about that. You shouldn't feel bad about the fact that God has blessed you and you have. Good. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And God is in no way condemning a person that has sixty or six hundred or six thousand or sixty thousand or six hundred thousand dollars. God is not in any way condemning that. There is no indictment here upon people just because they're rich any more than there is some kind of automatic blessing here because people happen to be poor. James is addressing Christians, rich and poor, to say that in Christ, rich and poor doesn't matter. That there's union and communion of the rich and the poor when they all get together with the Lord. However, God's people are people. I had a professor in, in Bible college. His name was Ralph Gale. I thought he was a terribly old man when I knew him. He was my age. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, I, uh, I felt fully exonerated to tune out when he would start a story because it would go on far too long and most of the details I'd heard before and before and before. But uh, Rich Gale used to say, uh, uh, Ralph Gale used to say one thing that I have never forgotten, and that is he often said, God's people are people. What do you mean by that? He meant that they surely can be tempted. He meant by that that God's people are people and that they are often inclined to operate according to the way of the world around them rather than the way of the word within them. God's people are often inclined to operate according to the way of the world around them, rather than the way of the word within them. In the world, the rich and famous are constantly favored, and the poor ignored or patronized for the rich man's self-promotion. Rich people get great kudos by doing little dinky-do things for poor people and making sure that Wood TV 8 is there to capture it for the news. The rich and the famous are often recipients of other people's trust and admiration. Hence, there's not a person in America, I, I would guess, that doesn't know these names, Kelsey and Swift. The rich and famous in, the, in this case of James uh, acted oppressively. The Bible word used of the rich in verse 6 is the same word used in the four gospel accounts for demons. Demons oppress people. Demons push people down. And many of the world's famous push people down. 
certainly that are thought noble for no other reason than their wealth or influence often live lives bragging, bullying, and blaspheming. Many of God's people who have not given 10 extra seconds of thought to any Bible verse in this past week have wondered whether a plane can leave Japan and land in Vegas within 12 hours. What a cry and shame for the people of God to be so worldly in their thinking and brace. James is not seeking to cause some kind of a societal class war. Uh, James uh, would vote no on the, manif on the communistic manifesto, as would we. But James is trying to show how ridiculous it is for people of faith in Christ to bow to the world's system. And for the sake of our teens that have heard this, and we'll probably hear it again. And for the sake of our church, who has heard this, and we'll probably hear it again, I just give to you my five descriptive words of this world's honor system. If you want to be somebody in this world, you have five opportunities, and they all start with B, beauty. Are you a beauty? If you are, you can be somebody in this world. Brains, are you a smartiac? Uh, do you have exceptional uh, brain power? If you do, uh, you are somebody in this old world system. Beauty will win the day. Brains will win the day. If you're not particularly pretty and you're not terribly smart, but you are strong, brawn is the third B, brawn. If you are big and brawny, uh, to pick up, not water that's spilled, but uh, to pick up anything. Uh, brawn is, is, is one of the things that the world puts uh, great uh, value on, and if you are Mr. Muscles, the world will bow at your triceps. Beauty brains wrong, bucks. If you got bucks, baby, you got friends. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. All you got to do is go to school and say to people, I got money for all of us to have pizza, and you got friends. Bucks will make you somebody in this world. And then you have to go back to the old Beatles song, I'll get by with a little help from my friends. I'll get high, which has special meanings in Lowell, with a little help from my friends, and the fifth B is buddies. Here's the world system, beauty, brain, brawn, bucks, and buddies. That's it. And if you got one of those things to the max, then you are somebody, just like all the somebodies that will be a big deal right around 6, 6.30 tonight. You and I have been called by the name above every name, the precious name of the Lord Jesus. It is simply sin to live in such a way that does not reflect his glory. This is the bigger, broader truth of James as he continues to address the sin of that hour 
Partiality is sin against the Lord. It is sin unbecoming and sinful for any gathering of believers to evidence partiality and favoritism along social or ethnic lines. God's people are called to judge righteous judgment, which is judgment after God's pattern, judgment after God's revealed perspective, judgment that is not based upon the appearance, but is rather based upon righteous judgment as revealed in the word of the living God. By this way, you and I can live for Jesus a life that is true, striving to please him in all that we do. The prayer, oh Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee, for thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master. Thy life, thy will shall be my, my uh, thy will be my throne. My life I give henceforth to live for thee, O Christ, alone. Father, help us to see the big thing here and not just the little thing that gets us there. And may our response be, as we have characterized it, to your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing.